we're continuing our series, Life at Three Miles Per Hour. And uh, um, if you haven't heard already, we got the title of the fact that that's the speed that the average person walks by. And if uh, you want to press me on the Canadian statistics, it's five kilometers per hour, okay? And uh, we're talking about this is, this, is the, this is the speed at which Jesus taught his disciples. You know, this is, this is what he did. He, he got them right around him and they walked together and they experienced life with him together. And there's some important things that we need to also learn, um, especially in, in, in a culture and in a world where we're going 100 miles an hour. Doesn't it feel like, you know... Um, if we were ever, ever to stop, that something would fall apart. Have you ever, ever feel like that? You know, if I'm not there, if I don't do it, if I, you know, stop, if I take a break, just something's going to break. <laughs> like something's not going to work. Something's going to fall apart, right? So, you know, as we continue this series, um, I, I have to admit, the older I get, I'm realizing that there are three things that are really important in my life. Um, the time that I have. The people that I love and the health that I have. Those are the three things that that kind of, you know, summarize all of life, right? And if there's anything that we can't stand is interruptions and intruders, especially when it comes to our time, especially when it comes to our love life, and especially when it comes to our health, okay? We've all had those intrusions. We've all had, you know, interruptions, you know? And if you're anything like me, you've got your schedule all figured out. You have your week all figured out. You know, if you would ask me right now, what's my week look like? I'm going to tell you to the specific day and probably the section of the, of, the, of the day, and I can tell you what my day is going to look like, okay? Don't interrupt me, okay? Right? Are you, are you like that? Okay, that's, you know, and as a pastor, that's a hard thing because you get interrupted all the time. Okay, you know, and in a good way, right? You know it's coming. The very first thing people say to me is, I know you're busy, but, okay? And you know, you know schedule right away gets diverted. You know, right away things are going to change, you know, right away, um, whatever, okay? And the thing that I've had to learn, and maybe you have had to learn, is that the interruptions are sometimes brought by God himself. And what do we do? Especially when you've had your life planned out. You've had your life planned out when it comes to your time. Right? How, how, how dare this intrusion come in and take away from my time? You know? For some of you, it's, it's love. You know? Uh, you thought you would have, you know, spent the rest of your life with that person. You thought you would have had children by this. You know? All kinds of stuff that you would have thought when it comes to your love. And same with health, right? We all have this, you know, hear people say all the time, be thankful that you still have your health. Because we know the intrusion, we know the interruption health can have that comes into your life. And suddenly, everything changes. Okay? Now, we're going to look at a story today that's all about interruptions. And I've got to tell you... um, it, it, it's one of those really startling stories about Jesus. And I know the older I get, the more I appreciate this story. And I'm not 100% sure why. We're going to walk through this story today. And, I'm, and, and it just strikes me 
the, the whys. I, I, I wish there was more to the story. I wish the writers, uh, the gospel writers would have expanded a little bit more on, on why Jesus did this or, or you know, why it happened the way it did. Because it's one of those amazing stories that, you know, you, you, you say, I wish I was there to have experienced it. Because there's, there's so many questions that come out of this particular passage. But let's, let's hopefully walk through this together in the few minutes that we have. And, and I'm going to try to unpack it for you. It's in, it's in Mark 5. And the passage is all about Jesus, you know, just come out of the boat. And he is approached by this man called Jairus, who is a synagogue ruler. And he's a very, very important man. Because if you're a synagogue ruler, you're, you're popular within the culture and society. You're highly respected. You're, you're a leader. And people would look up to you. And people would expect that if anyone has favor with God, that you would have favor with God. Because you're a synagogue ruler, after all. And this man approaches Jesus as he's walking in the crowd. And he you know, bows down before Jesus and pleads with Jesus. And this would have been risky for him as a synagogue, as a Jewish synagogue ruler, to approach Jesus in this particular way. And he pleads with Jesus because his 12-year-old daughter... Is dying. A father who has this kind of, you know, standing in culture, and yet because of the condition of his little girl, he is willing to put everything aside in terms of tradition and, you know, modicum and all that kind of stuff, and he approaches Jesus because Jesus is the only possible hope that this man has she's 12 years old and he's watching her life ebb away so he pleads with jesus and as jesus says okay you know and starts walking with the crowd towards this man's home jesus is is you know in the midst of the crowd and suddenly he feels a touch and he stops And he turns around and he asks people in the crowd, who touched me? And it's a major interruption. And the disciples, you can hear the disciples saying, you know, like there's so many people pressing around you. Why do you even care? That's the implication of the question. Why, why, why are you bothering with this? This, this, this woman who has touched you. Or this person who has touched you. She hasn't even identified herself yet. And they're wondering. And this is what transpired when Jesus is calling out to the crowd to say, who touched me? Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Now, I love Jesus' response. And he said to her, daughter, 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 not you, not person, but daughter. A covenant term of endearment and love. And you know what, you know what strikes me about this story? We know the name of the synagogue ruler. 
We know his status. We know his importance. We know all of that. We do not know her name. We don't know. In fact, the text says for 12 years she had this problem, this, this blood issue that, that the doctors of the time could not take care of. And in fact, what she found is instead of getting better, she got worse. Let me tell you, you know, you can go into, <laughs> you can go into the Talmud, which is the Jewish Talmud. And this woman would have suffered this kind of attempt to remedy her problem. One remedy consisted of drinking a goblet of wine containing powder that was compounded from rubber, alum, and garden crocuses. Another treatment consisted of a dose of Persian onions cooked in wine and administered with the summons, arise out of your flow of blood. Other physicians would have prescribed sudden shock or the carrying of the ash of an ostrich's egg in a particular type of cloth. That comes right out of the Talmud. That's what would have been prescribed for her at that time. She would have also been absolutely subjected to social pressures. Because of her issue of blood, she would have been deemed by the community to be unclean. No one, no one was to touch her. Because the minute you touched her, you yourself became unclean and you could not be in the temple or any longer. So she was an outcast. And likely at the very end of her financial means as well. If she had been carrying this for 12 years. And yet... This poor woman, in desperation, in desperation, reached out and touched Jesus. Do you realize this is the only miracle in the Bible where Jesus was the passive participant? Most of the time, Jesus at least says, you are healed or touches the person or does something. But for the only time in the Bible... Jesus is is the passive person in this particular miracle. She reaches out and touches him, and he notices. And he notices. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm really struck by his words to her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering... Is over. Twelve years of suffering. Now, this is in the midst of Jairus waiting for Jesus to come and heal his daughter and to do something in a last desperate hope for him to save her. What is more urgent, by the way, the little girl or this woman? Girl. Yeah. This is a huge interruption. While he was still speaking to her, the woman, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling 
the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, I, I, listen, you, you, we, I got to, okay, listen to this line and I got to pause, okay? Don't be afraid, just have faith. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's a really striking statement. Here, here is this man desperate for his little girl, 12 years old, full of, of potential life ahead of her. He's, he's, he's finally gotten to the point where he, he's, he's gotten in front of Jesus and Jesus has agreed to go to his house and they're, and they're walking there and they're, and they're going there and everybody's saying, yes, God is blessing this synagogue leader, this man who is a, a, you know, a, a man of God, a person that deserves to have the very best because he has served God faithfully. And in the midst of this man and, and the hope that he would have that Jesus could do something, there's an interruption And the interruption is this woman we do not even know. An interruption of a person who has suffered with something for a long time. And Jairus could have easily have said, wait wait a minute. You could have come and saved my daughter. And you could have come back for this woman because she has had this for 12 years. The urgent thing, the immediate thing would have been her. And yet you stopped for no one, for nobody. Why? Why? There's something about Jesus. There's something about Jesus. That I can't get out of my head. That when I think someone's done, or I think someone's finished, or when I think someone's not worth it, or when I think, you know, there's, you know, Jesus pops into my head and said, How can dare you think that way? How dare you think that way? There's something about, and, and, and I have to tell you too. I'm so bothered by Jesus just saying to him, just have faith. Can I, can I tell you that? Can I be honest with you? You know, I'm told as a pastor all the time, you know, and I've been in, I've been in situations, I've been in hospital rooms. I've been there when, when the, you know, uh, the, the families had to make a, a decision to, to pull the plug. I've, I've been there with young families who have lost you know, a child, and, and I've, I've, I've been there in situations that are just horrible to describe. And I can't imagine me saying in that moment, everything in my training, everything that I've been told is don't you dare say, just have faith. In the most difficult moment of a person's life, you just be there. And yet there's something about Jesus being able to say this to a grieving father at the moment that he's lost a daughter. Because he has no idea what's coming next. 
I don't have any, you know, you know, that's the privilege that we have of reading the Bible. We can read the rest of the story and we know that it works out okay. We know that Jesus kind of walks in and says, you know, and in fact, he goes with James, Peter and John. He tells everybody to stay away and he brings the mom and dad into the room with the three disciples and he speaks, he grabs the little girl's hand. And in fact, he says to everybody in the crowd before he goes in, he said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And everybody, you know what they do? They laugh. They laugh. Because they've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. They've seen death And the way it can grab on and not let go. And yet, Jesus walks in and says, she's only sleeping. And he basically just, in Aramaic, takes her hand and says, get up, little girl. And before the mom and dad and the three disciples, she gets up and starts running around the room. You know what Jesus does then that's really striking? He says, by the way... Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Let them laugh. Let them think she's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then what I find really comical, he says, can somebody get her something to eat? (laughs) The humanness of Jesus. Now, we don't always have the privilege of seeing miracles and seeing moments where we think everything's at an end. There are times that God answers those questions. There are times that God touches us and does something immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. But in both these instances, the woman that reached out and touched Jesus and Jairus, the synagogue ruler, The thing that Jesus communicated to them first and foremost was have faith. You know, I've said it many, 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 many times that even though this story like works out as this beautiful result of Jesus touching people or him being touched by people and it results in healing it results in this miracle and we stand back and we go oh wasn't that amazing by Jesus and Jesus says time you know don't miss what was really important in both those stories that the faith of the person was more important than the result of the healing That regardless of what happens in your life, the thing that Jesus would say to you, don't fear, have faith. Don't fear, have faith. Jesus would not have changed that sentence. He would not have changed that sentence if the results were different. It's what Jesus communicates time and time and time and time and time again. And the reason for miracles in the Bible is not just to change 
the outcome of something that's really horrible for, in a person's life. Because Jesus didn't heal everyone. Jesus wasn't able to touch everyone. Jesus went, But the miracles, when they did happen, these signs, when they did happen, was a means by which Jesus was able to say, this, this, what just happened here, this is what God intended in the very beginning. And because of the fallenness of this world, because the sin that entered this world, it distorted everything. It broke everything. Nothing is as God intended. And those signs and those miracles become a little window into what could have been but is not. And then Jesus comes and gives us a glimpse into the world and the hope and the promise that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And it sounds empty and it sounds patronizing. But faith is the most important thing in your life, regardless of what is going on. And some of you are experiencing incredible pain and incredible memory of a time when things were much better. But don't let that distort your faith, please. I want to I give you four, four things that we all long for. And I call it the three miles power blueprint. And it comes back to this thing. And I think this is one of the foundational things that underlie this whole story. And where Jesus really, you know, pauses and accepts the interruptions. Because Jesus knows this about us. First of all, we all love to belong. We all long to belong. Okay, and these these four points are really at the heart of love. You know, we throw love around all the time, but individually, we all want this. We want to all belong. That's why I started communion with this community expression. We're so isolated. That's one thing about a busy life. We become so isolated. We become all alone. Do you know that social media has made it made us more lonely? They made us more social. If I want to get depressed, all I have to do is go on Facebook. (laughs) Seriously, everybody has a better life than I do. (laughs) Right? They're on holidays again? Oh, that's that's the that's that's the the same three days they took. They just keep repeating it. Like (laughs) right? Okay? If I want to get depressed, you know, social media is the way to go. Okay, especially, you know, no, I can't say that, forget it. I was going to say, especially when it's another church. Because they always take the picture when the place is the fullest, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And, and, and the human side of me goes, oh, you suck, right? You know, I don't know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> right, okay, but, but, but that's, you know, but we all, we all, we all long to belong, right? This is, this is an expression of our love. We don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be out there. We want to feel like we're part of something bigger. That's the beautiful thing of the church. That we're, you know, we belong to something. We belong to each other. We belong to something bigger. And we all long to belong. Secondly is this, is we all long to be heard. We all long to be heard. You know, I, I am shocked at the, at the amount of, of training seminars and and newsletters and stuff that I get across about learn how to listen. 
Learn how to listen. It's just, it's amazing. It is, you know, it is, you know, we all long to be heard. You know, if, if, you, if you counsel couples in any way, shape, or form, one of the things that you're going to hear is, I just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. I don't, I don't think they've ever heard what my main concern is. Okay? It's, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. But, but often, you know, often when we're talking to somebody, we're, we're processing already how we're going to answer as opposed to actually hearing what the person's saying. Because there's so much to, to just being heard. We just want to be heard. And you know what? When people get heard, you don't have to do it the way they want it a lot of times. They're just happy to be heard and acknowledge that they've been heard. We may not be able to do it that way. We may not be able to, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at least we hear you and we know your concern. But this is why we can't do it, you know, that kind of thing. Makes a big difference when people feel like they're heard. But that's a, that's a you know, and, and like, isn't that, don't you get tired of the, in relationships, it's all about communication. <laughs> right? You know, and, and, and as true as that is, it's tiring accent. But just people want to be heard. And you know what? Isn't it amazing that when you pray, God hears you? See, we think when God doesn't answer the prayer the way we want it answered, we think he hasn't heard us. That's wrong. That's false. God hears us every time. Third, we long to be touched. We long to be touched. I remember going to Promise Keepers many years ago, and I threatened anybody that tried to hug me. (laughs) First guy that comes to hug me is done. (laughs) Because it was all about hugging back in in the day. It was all about, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I had this linebacker at this one moment, right? We're in the Atlanta Stadium, right, and all this kind of stuff, and there are 30,000 pastors in this, in this, in this stadium, 30,000, the largest promise keepers pastors conference. And it was, it was held over Mother's Day too, by the way. Yeah. Nice. Right. Anyway, I remember going in there. Don't you dare hug me. Right. Anybody, this linebacker came up to me. Hey, <laughs> I want to hug you. Like, I was like, I got over my fear of hugging <laughs> really quick. And, and yeah, I, I was worried because he kind of stayed there for a while. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at, right? You know, all this kind of stuff. But it's just distance, right? But the, but, the rea- but the reality is, reality is, okay, sometimes, sometimes we're more like porcupines than we are like human, humans. Okay. We got, we got these bristles out, and the closer people get, we start to poke them, poke them, right? And we're like porcupines, you know, but we want to be human. But we're afraid to let anybody near. We're afraid to let anybody touch us, okay? And the last thing is we long to be healed. You know, I talked about time talked about health and I talked about love those three as we get older become 
far more important in the way we express those and the way we exercise those things. But we all want to be healed. And it doesn't always have to be some physical ailment. There's emotional ailments. There's interrelational ailments that we want to be healed from. And if there's one thing about Jesus, and when we pause, and when we stop, and when we recognize, and when we take that divine focus, there is an opportunity for us to feel the healing touch of Jesus. There's something about the healing of a broken heart. And it may come in physical ways. It may come in, you know, so many other ways. But we all long to be healed from the pain that exists in our hearts, from the pain that exists in our lives, from the different the different things that invade our lives that hurt us. And only Jesus, only Jesus, only faith in Jesus can ultimately heal the wounds that we all live with. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this story. And I think when Jesus says, don't be afraid, just have faith. Personally, I think it's the only answer Jesus could have given. Because that's how important faith in Christ is. That's how important faith in Christ is. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful interruption with a woman who, Lord, we just don't know. And yet her faith healed her. In a dramatic moment when she reached out to touch God. When she reached out to touch Jesus. Lord, there's moments in our lives where the interruptions are seen as intrusions into the comfort and the control of our lives. But Lord, isn't it a better question to say... Father, what are you bringing into my life because of this intrusion and what do I need to learn? Lord, we thank you that you are the God of healing. You are the God of our time, of our love, and of our health. And there's just something about living at breakneck speed that distorts those things in our lives that we need to be reminded that you are purely in control of. So, Lord, thank you for the pause that we took as a community today to gather around the communion table, to gather around your word, to sing in unison together songs that lift you high. And may we walk away from this building this morning Encouraged and strengthened, knowing that, Lord, our faith is pleasing in your sight. And we ask it in the only name that matters, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.